Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast. Jeff here. And we are in one of our interview segments today. Uh, We're going to have a very good friend from far away. Uh, She's on the other side of the world from us in Australia or in New Zealand, excuse me, in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, So we will talk today a little bit about how you can get help as a small business owner and some of the things that Deborah does to help out small business owners. So Deborah, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So glad to have you on. I'm really excited. We had our, our little conversation ahead of this, and uh, it was just fun to, to learn a little bit about your life. And you, you've had such an interesting and, and uh, I think, fun life from the perspective of you've had a lot of challenges, but you get to do now what you wanted to do. So let's first start off. Why don't we share your story a little bit? Sure. So as I was explaining to you before, so um, I am actually a biochemist and food technologist by trade. And this is not what I do for my day job. I'm actually an EOS implementer or a business coach, you might call it. But it was because um, back in the day, my parents decided that the best thing I could possibly do was find a really good husband. And if I to find a really good husband, I had to be smart. I had to have a degree. I had to be educated. So they insisted I go and do a science degree to make me more attractive as a, a potential wife. And I did this. I did my study. I did my biochemistry, my food technology, and I went in and I started working in the scientific world. And after about sort of six months, I actually realized that I didn't really enjoy looking into test tubes and working through Petri dishes and things like that. I actually really enjoyed people. And so I decided that I would, you know, move more into the people management side. And long story short, um, I, I worked through going from, you know, managing a laboratory, managing people to entering into sales and to sales and marketing, then worked my way up to GM and finding to CEO roles. And so for most of my um, adult life up until about the age of uh, my mid thirties, I was actually running businesses for other people. Some of them were quite large businesses with 220 staff. I worked for council for my sins for 18 months where we had 800 staff, but always sort of working for other people, managing teams to actually produce results. And then I struggled with this because I didn't realize that my natural personality is I, I challenge everything. I push the boundaries. I want to know why we're doing this. I was always a very curious <laughs> child as well. And when you do that in corporate world, you know, you get a lot of pushback. Oh, that's not your area of responsibility. That's not at your level. This has to go up to the next level. We have to go through the red tape to get this done. And I couldn't understand why I'd get so frustrated by it. Um, and I, I kind of realized that actually I wanted to be running my own business. I, I, I wasn't sure I could do this for too much much longer and I want to be running my own business. So one day I quit and I went and started my own business um, based on some stuff that I've been doing with another business and went, I think I can do this on my own and do it a whole lot better. Um, and that was, I think, around about 16 years ago now. So that was nice. my kind of you know, big aha moment. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, that transition. So you you yeah. left the corporate world, mm-hmm. you went to work in small business. Was it everything you thought it would be, or was what were some of the challenges that you faced there? 
Yeah, I mean, I have to say I've never, ever regretted anything I've done, and I certainly enjoy doing it. But I must admit that running a business is a lot harder than I thought it was. So running a business with somebody else, you've actually got the security of knowing there's a paycheck coming in every week. You know that you can actually make mistakes and it's not going to, you know, you don't want to make mistakes, but you can make mistakes and you can actually learn from that. It's not going to be the end of the world. In your own business, it's a little bit different. When you make a mistake, it can cost you dearly. Um, You've got to worry about things that I had really no true concept because I had accountants working for me. You know, you have to worry about how you're going to make payroll each week. You have to worry about how you're going to pay your GST. You've got to look at all this whole things that that none of of which I was an expert at. I was a very good generalist, but not a a specialist. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to do it on your own and building up a business, employing new people, I did all the mistakes that we all tend to make in the beginning. I I hired family and friends, people who weren't necessarily the right people for the job, but they were there and and did it. But eventually, you know, we worked through a lot of that and we got to the point where we, we grew the business. It was doing reasonably well. We had all the fancy, you know, we had the nice house and the cars and the toys and we're, we're doing quite well. I had about 14 staff. Um, but <laughs> sadly, um, I hadn't done, I, I, we actually merged two businesses together to kind of create a new entity. And I hadn't done my due diligence on that business. It wasn't something I was aware of. I thought everything everybody told you was always true. And so when I, you know, combined forces with this other business, I, I took everything that they said, absolute face value and went, this is great, but a great sort of opportunity. Um, and it was only once I got into the business, started working together with, that I suddenly realized there was all this stuff that I wasn't even aware of. Um, and this this wasn't a major issue because we'd recognized there was a challenge around, we owed the IRD, which is like your, your tax department, the IRS is over there, but it's yeah. IRD over here. We owed them a, a huge amount of money that was due from way before I ever joined that company. And so I kind of became aware of this and went, oh my God, we owe $220,000 to the IRD. And it's like, okay, we can deal with this. It's okay. We're, I'm an entrepreneur. We can make this thing happen. So we worked out sort of a, a way to actually get this back on track and get it all paid. Um, but in the meantime, we actually then lost one of our major clients who was actually 80% of our business. And so all of a sudden, not only were we in up to our eyeballs in debt to the IRS or IRD, we also lost the main client who paid 80% of it. And so as a consequence, we were forced to put the company or I chose to put the company into voluntary receivership. So that was a, a huge, yeah. huge thing to make that call for a start, um, but also a, a massive learning because in actual fact, if I'd done my homework in the beginning, I'd have been more aware of what was going on and we would have had a better chance of actually surviving. So a bit of a Bit of a train wreck, a bit of a, a big, big learning for me. And it meant I had to go back into corporate world for three and a half years, which um, was definitely not not on my bucket list. I did not want to go back and do that. But, <laughs> but I had to you know, lick my wounds, repay the debts, build myself back up again before I, I could get out again. So I went back into corporate for three and a half years. I, I'd, I'd now learned to play the games a wee bit so I could do it with my hands tied behind my back and, and did that, build up the money. And as soon as I could get out of there, um, again, I did. And and that's what I did. That is awesome. You had mm. your, your three years of punishment for making a mistake yes. and back to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's try it again. Like, what have I learned this from last time? I'll give it a, give it another try. Yeah. And I, I suppose, you know, one of the things I absolutely love, I actually don't think failure is a bad, the F word is a bad word. I think that if, as long as you yeah. can learn from it, then it's, it's, it's absolutely mm. fine. It's when we don't learn from it, when we start to apportion blame to other people, because let's face it, I could have, I could have actually gone down the, the, the victim route and gone, oh, well, it wasn't my fault, blah, blah, blah. but actually, no, I, I could have done my homework better. I could have actually managed it better that's actually my responsibility what do I learn from that wouldn't do that again yeah it's funny I'm, I'm reading uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book uh, fake right yeah. now and he talks about educate our education systems or how they how they fail us because you know there's there's only right or wrong 
you you know, if you make a mistake, you're stupid and all that. Yeah. And, and the reality is when you get out into the real world, when you make mistakes, you actually learn from those mistakes <laughs> and you don't make those mistakes again instead of being punished for making a mistake. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I do. I honestly believe I've I've learned actually more from my failures than I have from my successes is the reality. Um, so I, I don't regret any of it. Uh, there's times when I've kind of gone, hey, life could have been a whole lot easier if it had all just gone on that beautiful, you know, that that that, that S curve that they paint of, of businesses growing. Oh, yeah. I wish I'd found a business that did that. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, usually no, no. it's an S curve that turns into a brick wall. Then you have to go around <laughs> that and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then you found EOS. So why don't you tell us hmm. a little bit about what EOS is and then how you really found that and then what yep. it is you do. So, yep. so after the three and a half years of, of, of being back in corporate, I went back out on my own again. I started my own business again. I decided this time around I would actually do some coaching and some consulting because I'd learned a lot through my experiences of running other people's businesses and then running my own business not so successfully in the end. And so I also opened up an event center space and a shared um, co-working space. And throughout all of this, the, this, this thing EOS, they actually booked the space, the event space, to launch their product into New Zealand. So EOS is the entrepreneur entrepreneurial operating system. And what it is, is basically a business operating system that helps you focus on the main areas of your business to get you really, really clear on the vision, what you want to achieve, why you're doing it, who you serve, you know, all those um, questions around what the longer term vision of the business is and helps get all of your team on the same page with that as well. And then it helps with traction in terms of getting discipline and accountability. So you're holding, uh, you know, regular meetings that are actually effective. People have got measurables and data and scorecards that they're being held accountable for. The whole team works together towards actually doing that. And finally, health, which is around making sure we've got a healthy team that actually works for the greater good. And so when I, mm. when I f saw this EOS booking into our, our um, event center, I was actually a member of EO at the time, and that's the Entrepreneurs' Organization. And that's a peer group where you actually get to meet with other entrepreneurs that you can feed off of each other. And I thought, well, EO, EOS sounds similar. I should find out more. And I swear, I picked up the book um, that they'd left me, which was actually Get a Grip rather than Traction. And I read this mm. Get a Grip book, which is a fable. I love fables because I'm a big Patrick Lencioni Gill fan. <laughs> Uh, and this book was just all about sort of this business that was going through all the things that I'd seen in my businesses that I'd worked in for other people and my own businesses and all the different challenges that go on with people and um, people not able to do their jobs properly, the office politics, all you know, not being um, held accountable. And I thought this actually brings together all the stuff that I did in my MBA, which I always found completely impractical, but, you know, nice to have done it. All the stuff that I'd done through my coaching, because I'd now been coaching for quite a number of years, must have been um, yeah, close to seven or eight years at this point. And all of the stuff that I'd naturally and intuitively done within my businesses, but in a beautiful, simple framework. Because as entrepreneurs, we get, dis and I'm an entrepreneur myself, we get distracted by bright, shiny lights, right? So it's like, oh, look, a bright, shiny yeah. light, let's go off and do that. Um, and we try all these different things and we try and put things in place and they get too difficult. So we give up on it. EOS was just this really, really simple framework that you could follow that didn't take away that entrepreneurial spirit because that's really important, yeah. but it gave some discipline. And I think it was Jim Collins who said that, you know, if you can combine the culture of entrepreneurialism uh, with a, a culture of discipline, that's when magic really happens. Mm. And that's how yeah. I found EOS. And I, I, I sort of said, um, I think I'd like to do this. I said, why don't you come and become an EOS implementer? I jumped on a plane about two weeks later and trained as an EOS implementer. And that was three years ago. So haven't looked back that since. Awesome. Mm. That is awesome. So let's talk uh, a little bit about what, uh, 
you know, your your typical client. So what was what does an engagement look like if you're, you know, okay, I'm stepping in as your EOS implementer, what's a typical engagement going to look like? Yeah. So, I mean, I think first of all, before we go down that, EOS can actually work for any size business. So it is a framework and in actual fact, it's just as good a framework for a startup or a, a small one or two man band to put the foundations in place as it is for large organizations. The type of clients I generally tend to work with one-on-one are very much more established businesses that have got somewhere between sort of 20 and 250 staff. They've been around for a while. So they're probably at the you know 15 to 30 year mark where they've been going for a while, but they feel like they've got a bit stuck there hit the ceiling. Their, their business isn't giving them what they thought it would give them. It's not giving them the freedom that they thought they would get from their business. And so they just need some help mm-hmm. to get past that. But that said, you know, there's so many tools within the EOS stuff that actually can help any size business. And so we we freely share those and we run workshops and seminars that will actually help the smaller businesses as well. So my typical client is a slightly mm-hmm. bigger one. I work with them around about five days a year. So I do a day a full day with the full leadership team five times a year to actually um, get them on a quarterly cycle. So they're working in 90-day cycles to help with their annual planning. And we go through this proven process that just helps them put in place things in the right order. Because one of the things that I I really struggled with when I was coaching at the Ice House over here in New Zealand, which is one of the big incubators over here, um, was working with businesses. We'd we'd get together and we'd do a day around the vision and we'd get very excited by, oh, this is where we're headed and these are our core values and this is what we need to do. And then, of course, they go back into their business and all the firefighting would still be there. And so nothing would change. So they got so they'd be all rah, rah, rah for the session. And then they go back into the real world and nothing had changed. So they would actually forget all about it. And it would become a piece of paper that got filed away somewhere and never happened. EOS has a very, very mm. different methodology, which is actually let's get some traction first, because traction without mm. without vision, oh, sorry, vision without traction is hallucination. So let's get some traction and let's put some tools in place that will help you fundamentally change the way the business is run. And then we'll look at vision later on because the vision exists already, right? We already know what we're trying to do. Mm. But what we need to work on is actually changing the way the business operates. Um, and that's, yeah, right. that's kind of what we do is we we do that part first and the vision stuff later. That is very cool. Mm. Um, so what uh, what do you see? What do you foresee is um, kind of the path for small businesses? I'd, I'd love to hear on New Zealand. Um, do you have a, a kind of an entrepreneurial culture or is it more traditional business or? Um, I, it's a bit of both. I mean, it's called the entrepreneurial operating system, but I think that term is often misused. Entrepreneurial, mm. in its true sense of the word, is somebody who runs their own business, who's prepared to take the risk of running their own business. So we often mm. use the word entrepreneur over here in New Zealand, particularly for startups, people who are you know fast-paced, tech, yeah. high-growth startups. No, actually, entrepreneurs are people who want to run a business, um, who are prepared to take that on board. So it's, it's not about a particular type of business. It's about somebody who actually wants run a business, but who wants to not just buy a job. So I think that's the distinction. An entrepreneur is somebody who actually wants to build a business that will actually grow, that will employ people, that will allow them to lift themselves up to what they want to be doing and have other people run the business for them. So as long as you're that way inclined, you're not like wanting to be a one-man band and just buy yourself a job mowing lawns, then we can actually help with with EOS in terms of growing that business. (laughs) 
That's awesome. That's a, but you can't help those that have employees and are still acting like a self-employed person. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, most of the clients that I kind of work with, even though they are the, the founder and they've actually grown the business to a reasonable size, even just 20, even 15, 20 staff, but they're still actually involved in every single part of the business. They haven't let go. Yeah. And if you talk about freedom, you know, freedom, if you're doing that and you're not letting go, you're probably working ridiculous hours. You'll probably have no time mm-hmm. to do anything outside of work. Your family life is really suffering. Suffering, um, you know. I think I always say, "Happy wife, happy life" applies in business too. You know, your your wife or yep. your husband is at home, kind of going, "Well, when am I ever going to see you? You're never here for the kids. You're not doing. You know, not doing stuff together." And so I actually help them go right. How do we create actually the ideal life by creating a better business? So if you can put mm. frameworks and systems into place in your business, it will actually free you up to to lead that better life. Yeah, that is awesome. That is mm. awesome. Well, let's transition now to the fast five questions. Sure. <laughs> All right. So here we go first. Um, you wake up in the morning. Business is totally gone. Mm-hmm. You have $500 in your pocket, a laptop computer, place to live. You still have all the knowledge in your head. What's the first thing you're going to do? So the first thing I would do is I'd want to actually understand what really makes my heart sing and what makes me tick. And and what I mean by that is what's your why? Why do you actually exist on this planet? And I think sometimes people think when we say you should do what you love, they think that means that, hey, I love taking photography. I should become a photographer. No, think about the jobs that you have had in the past. Think about the things you've loved doing and the things you haven't loved doing. And think about how would you create a business that really feeds off the stuff that you're really good at. So it doesn't mean it's going to be a photography business, but you look at it and go, actually, I really enjoy writing blogs. I really enjoy um, speaking to people. I really enjoy teaching and facilitating. And then you can start to go, okay, that's what I enjoy. And the next step would be, okay, what kind of business can I build from that? But understanding, first of all, fundamentally who you are and why you exist will actually help you to make sure that you're going into a business that, you know, that feeds you. And I think for some people, just running a business is what they love. So that's okay. But I just think yep. you've still got to have some passion for what you're doing in your business. It doesn't have to be your passion as in your hobby, but you need to have a passion for what you're doing. That is awesome. That is mm. very cool. What's the biggest business mistake that you've ever made? <laughs> well, I kind of alluded to it earlier um, and I did it a yeah. couple of times because <laughs> obviously once wasn't enough for me. Um, I think it's about actually making sure that, you know, you do your due diligence um, around businesses. I, I didn't do that in the, the first business, but also I think not asking for help. I think that we we tend to sort of think we have to do this on our own, otherwise we are a failure. Um, and I all now I've learned that actually there's nothing wrong with asking for help. And in fact, asking for help gives people the opportunity to feel really good about helping you. So you're actually helping them as well by helping them to feel good. And when you don't ask mm-hmm. for help, you'll find yourself, you know, getting into this kind of what I call it the downward spiral, where things just get worse and worse and worse, and you can't lift yourself out of it. So definitely ask for help. Surround yourself with people who are prepared to help you. That is awesome. Um, What's a good book that you would recommend for our audience? Yeah, and I'm going to sound like I'm a bit of an EOS kind of cult fan here, but I have to say, (laughs) apart from Get a Grip, which was a fun book, The EOS Life, which is one of Gino's latest books, is all about how to live your ideal entrepreneurial life. And so this isn't necessarily about the business per se, but it's actually about making sure that you as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, are putting yourself in a position to actually lead in the best possible way. So are you making time for your family, your friends, your hobbies? Are you being compensated appropriately? You know, are you doing what you love in your business and 
only what you love in your business? Are you working with people that you love? Um, and are you making a difference? Mm. It's like, how do you actually bring those that, that, so the EOS life is doing what you love with people you love, making a huge difference in the world, being compensated appropriately and with time to pursue other passions. And that's the biggest thing. This book teaches you, how do you make sure you have time to pursue those other passions, whether that be family, friends, photography, whatever it might be. That is awesome. I love that. I hadn't heard about that one yet. So I'm mm. looking forward to finding that one in the in my uh, Amazon account. Yep. Um, what is a good tool that you use every day in your business? Yeah, I, I, we, you asked me this before and I was thinking, gosh, what do I use every single day in my business? Um, I think I'm a bit of a list maker. So I have got Asana and I think Asana, I use it both in professional and personal life. I keep lots of mm-hmm. lists or boards, you know, task boards where things move through the task list. Um, I don't think I could live without that. I mean, that just helps me to organize. But then that said, I also, I love my Remarkable. So I bought a Remarkable oh, probably about oh, a year oh. ago and I love that to to make lists and things on and to write as well. So Asana and my Remarkable, that those two things, my life would be over. <laughs> yeah, I, I am with you. My Remarkable tab is the greatest thing since sliced bread. So yeah. um, I, I discovered, well, it's funny because I discovered that you could upload like PDFs into it. Yeah. So I have all these eBooks that I've collected over the years that I've not read. They've been sitting in folders and yeah. things like that. So I uploaded them all to my Remarkable tab and I actually... When I'm sitting somewhere, it allows me to go in there and bang out a, you know, reading real quick. And you can scribble on it too. That's the other thing. It's like the reason I've yeah. always loved physical books is you could get hold of a traction book, for example, and you can scribble things in there. Mm-hmm. So you've got your notes there. Sure. Um, you you can't do that with an ebook um, on any other device. Yeah. Whereas with the Remarkable, you can actually get that ebook on there. You can make your notes. You can highlight things. Yeah, I'm a complete convert. And in fact, I've actually I bought one for my husband just recently. I bought one for my friend. Everybody that I know gets a Remarkable now. <laughs> Everybody gets a remarkable tab. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. What is your definition of freedom? Yeah. Um, and so this is something I think I probably only just realized in the last kind of five years of my life. I'm now 52 years old. So it's taken me a while. Um, I actually think that freedom, I'm, see, I, I've never been driven by money, but I actually think that freedom mm. is about, you know, being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And so mm. I talk about planning your life before somebody else does. I love my work. I, I mean, I really genuinely do. And so I would actually quite honestly spend, you know, just about every waking hour at work if, if I could. But then I also have other things I want to do. And so um, I just, I think freedom is being able to go, right, actually, these are all the things that are important to me. And I want to make sure I've got time for them. And I'm planning that out in my my year and going, this is what I'm going to do for the year. Um, so you have the freedom. And, and people say, well, that's very regimented. You know, where's the freedom in that? Well, I actually think it does give you the freedom. Because if you block out, I'm, I'm supposed to be learning the saxophone. Um, I, I'm, I'm, and so yeah. I block out in my diary every week time to practice my saxophone. Does that mean I have to practice my saxophone every week? No, I've got the choice choice though if I hadn't put it in my calendar I probably wouldn't even have that time available so by blocking out chunks of time and saying this is what's important to me you've still got the freedom to go you know what this week I'll give it a miss but at least you've actually got the option to do it if you want to so freedom is having the time to the stuff you really love yeah you're kind of forcing yourself okay I need to do that I've done the same thing I I went through a a, a, uh, little exercise, you know, because I mean, we've all got a, the same 168 hours a week. And yeah. I went through a little exercise of, of uh, this was a, a, bu- a bucket list item. I wanted to learn how to speak Spanish. So Ooh, I was like, yeah. well, you know, it takes technically 90 days of like about 20 minutes a day of Spanish language training to be able to have a conversation. And so mm-hmm. I just literally booked it out, you know, right after work every day, 
I booked at, you know, an hour and I spent an hour doing that. And uh, we're, you know, three weeks we're going to uh, Puerto Rico and I, I'm going to test out my theory that I should be able to have a full on 15 minute conversation with somebody in Spanish only. Oh, that is awesome. That is so good. And I think that's one of the things we don't often do is we don't block out that time yeah. to work on the business, to work on ourselves, to do what we want to do. And I tell you what, if you don't, somebody else will book out that time with you. It just happens. You know, if that's you don't exactly plan right. your life. Or, or yeah. you'll just, yeah, or or you'll just let life kind of go as it goes and sit there and watch TV or or do whatever and not really be focused on what you're doing. Yeah, I completely agree. Awesome. Well, Deborah, what's the, the best way if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm very um, fortunate. I, my name is Deborah Chantry Taylor, which is quite a unique name. I think there's only one of me in the world. And so if you Google Deborah Chantry Taylor, you'll definitely find me. But also if you, as so a LinkedIn is probably a great way to get a hold of me. But also if you go to Deborah, which is spelled D-E-B-R-A dot coach, I've okay. actually got a, a portal there where all of my information is there. So all of my social media, all the free tools that I offer, uh, the webinars that we do that are also free, all that stuff you'll find under Deborah dot coach. Um, and I look also my email addresses there as well as my LinkedIn, my Facebook, my TikTok, you name it, it's all there. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you. Well, Deborah, I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you you sharing your uh your background and and what you do. And I'm so excited for you to that you found EOS. Uh, so I appreciate you being here and uh, and all you do every day. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. I love to share some of the stuff that I've learned. I just hope that other people can actually learn from it and, and maybe I inspire somebody to do something a bit differently. I love it. There's all those people out there that are food scientists that uh, that are dying a little bit at work every day. So they know there's hope. And there's life is too short. Life is too short to not be doing yeah. what you love. And like I said, don't don't think that has to be. See, my husband is a musician. So don't think that just because you're a musician, that has to be your career. But if you're not going into yeah. work and loving what you do, life is too short. You have to ask yourself the question, do I really want to continue doing this? I love it. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining the show, wherever you're at, uh, whatever channel you're listening to this on or watching it, uh, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Uh, make sure that you comment and, and share what you think about this and share this with others as well. Um, we want our message to get out everywhere. And that one person that's out there that might be inspired by Deborah's story, we don't know who that is. So we need to make sure we get this out to as many people as possible. So as always, once a week, we do these shows where we interview somebody. And then the, the other show every week is me talking a little bit about Freedom Day and uh, teaching you a little bit about Freedom Nation. So please join us back here the next time. Thanks a lot. And we will see you back here. for listening to the freedom nation podcast you can find us on apple podcasts and all the major channels wherever you're listening please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review if you have friends and family that could benefit from their own freedom day please share with them finally join freedom nation by following us on facebook instagram and twitter